Hi there. I'd love to have my voice used on the air. Dollamore, you are a big fucking jackass. You are an anti-American, sick son of a bitch liberal. I hope you fucking drop dead. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 693 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly Brittany Page, everybody. I don't want to spoil the show, but... <laughs> wow, what a, way to go. what a way to start. Well, just a spoiler alert. <laughs> just a spoiler alert. There's, there's going to be a voicemail that we play that, that shits on Popeye a little bit. Talking about how he sounds like he's a pain in the ass, and sometimes he's a pain in the ass. Sometimes, yes. Yeah, but it's like you know, there are things in your life that you love that can be like this podcast. Sometimes <laughs> I love this show, but sometimes it can be a pain in the ass. Correct. The audience I love, but sometimes they can be a pain in the ass. At least you tell us how you're truly feeling. <laughs> The other night, though, there there was an instance where Popeye was indeed a pain in the ass because he was having a bit of a tum time mm. in the middle of the night. And yes. at least he lets us know by whining and staring at the door and ensuring that we know that he's about to have a tum time. Yeah, well, his staring at the door, it's not really staring. He stands at the door and like looks at you like, bro. Mm-hmm. It's time. Come on, fucker. It's time. Get your shit together. Let's go. So this was like 3 a.m. And I, we were both kind of like, who's going to deal with the situation? So I just get up because it's harder for you to fall back asleep. I have no problem falling back asleep. (laughs) Very difficult for me once I'm up to go back to sleep. So I'm like, I'll just go. I'll do it. And you're like, no, it's 3 a.m. You can't go out there alone. I'm like, nothing's going to happen. It's totally fine. Just go back to sleep. (laughs) And you wouldn't listen, so you yeah. insisted upon coming outside. So we start walking to the street, the yard area, and as soon as I turn the corner, <laughs> I hear this guy say, excuse me, ma'am? Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? It's 3 a.m. And I was trailing behind you. Yeah. And I heard the, excuse me, ma'am? Yeah. As soon as I turn the corner, he's in the street. And he looks like he's, I mean, he has his phone out. He looks lost. He's like looking for something. It was very strange. Also, to explain the ma'am, he was about 15 years old. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he was a, he was a, looked like a full grown man, but he was a kid. Well, I don't know why you need to explain that. I think it's very self-evident that wherever I go, I command respect and <laughs> people just inherently refer to me as ma'am. Ma'am. Yeah. yeah. You're a ma'am everywhere you go. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so, and then he, he, 
tried to move closer to me to like ask me a question showing me something on his phone and I just ignored him and you kind of swooped in and dealt with the situation. Apparently he was looking for like a drunk friend or something that yeah, was yeah. lost in the streets. I was pretty curt with him. I was like, but what do you need? Because mm-hmm. he was fumble fucking and stumbling his words and something about it showing me on the the map. What do you need? Yeah. Don't you wish sometimes in those moments that you could be a little more like... Less of a dick? <laughs> well, I don't even know if it's that. I just think it's... You're suspicious of what's happening. You are concerned that there may be an ulterior motive. That something else is going to go down. Especially at 0-3 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a little weird what's happening, you know, and... So in that moment, I understand the feeling, but don't you sometimes wish that, like, <laughs> it could be a kumbaya world and we're just like, oh, yes, hello, yeah, right. sir. Let me help you with what you need. No one has ill intent. Everything is an innocent thing. <laughs> yeah. I, what I wish is that dudes, especially young men, mm-hmm. knew yeah. that at three in the morning when you see a lady there alone, yeah. you don't just, excuse me, ma'am. Right. I mean, goddamn. The anxiety had hadn't I been there? Yeah, it would have been a whole different situation. You, I'm guessing you likely would have just turned on your heels and headed back. But Popeye had to go, so I mean, you're you're in a tough spot there. Yeah, I mean, who knows what I would have done at this point? I probably would have told him to stand back and get away from me. Um, in in so many words, because of COVID, he didn't have a mask on, yeah, and he was like getting a little too close to me um even just the hello ma'am and like coming toward me i think in such desperation looking for his drunk friend forgetting that we're in a pandemic and don't get too close to people and it's the middle of the motherfucking night he was probably drunk too honestly he's looking for his drunk friend he was probably drunk too and it it was strange no one is ever out on the street at 3 a.m it was such a weird thing and we live in a quiet area and we had just been arguing like nothing's gonna happen what are you worried about (laughs) no one is even gonna be out there and then as soon as i turn the corner excuse me ma'am well i didn't i didn't want to do the i told you so that's not what i I didn't want to play it that way but you're you're just leaning right into it. So. Well, yeah, it was an I told you so situation. Uh, so I deserve that for sure. Very weird, though. Mm-hmm, very strange. Yeah. But it all worked out. Hopefully he found his friend and hopefully he's okay. Maybe he's th- flipping through like Snapchats of the, <laughs> the view from his friend who was blacked out. Anyway. It's like a guessing game. He's like and, a scavenger hunt we for have his to, we have drunk to, friend. We have to talk Popeye off the ledge, too, because oh. he wants to murder the guy. Yeah, he was after him, for sure. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't like people in the yard. Blind-ass Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> who can smell like a champ. Smell, but cannot see. He's like, he's like, who's the, he's like Daredevil. Is that the, the superhero? Yeah, who, I think who, that's right. Who can't see very good or he's blind altogether. Yeah, that's the show that got canceled, right? I guess so. Yeah, I think that's the one. Anyway. Popeye's we Daredevil. for sure watched that show. The first season. I yeah. don't think we watched further past that. Well, I think it got canceled after that. Oh, okay. Well, then. Yeah. Apparently, we were the biggest fans of the show that existed. <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us, everybody. Rapidly approaching the 700 mark. Then we'll be in the 700 club. Oh, great. What a great club to be a little, in. A little foreshadowing of a, of a, of a Pat Robertson. <laughs> Of a little Pat Robertson clip that we got coming up, huh? There's just all kinds of spoilers. (laughs) 
Well, you started it. All kinds of spoilers. I know, just feel like it's the, the way to go now. On the topic of shows, by the way, we got a lot of recommendations from people, and we really appreciate that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. We yeah. actually started rewatching The Wire because that was one mm-hmm. that kept popping up. And I, well, I say rewatching, it's rewatching for you. I've tried to watch it before, and. It's hard for me to get interested in shows. I well, don't know what the deal is. Especially with the wa- the wa- there are certain shows that you cannot watch while being on your phone. That's exactly what it is. And this is one of those shows that you'll be fucking lost because they get real deep in it's not just like your typical police procedural. Yeah. This is they're getting into what they're going to be addressing as a a systemic issue with mm-hmm. how police departments operate and anyway yeah it's it's a great fucking show yeah but definitely one you need to pay attention to and i think that's my struggle i i am often on my phone when i'm watching something yeah and you actually caught me a few times when we were watching the wire you said so w- what is happening right now on the show what are they getting ready to do and i'm like i don't know <laughs> I don't know. Let me go back two minutes. I don't remember. I'm, I got on my phone. I'm very glad that it didn't set you off. <laughs> set me off. Well, you, I mean, that's a, that could be an anger-inducing... Because you're getting busted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I felt like I was in trouble a little bit. And... <laughs> But, you know, it's anyway. been, it has been tough. It's been tough to put the phone down. There's a lot going on. The West Coast is burning down. Yeah, definitely. And Donald Trump is a, a liar, obviously. We know that. Wait, and wait, wait, wait. What? I know. What the? This just in, folks. Yeah. What? And he's holding rallies, even though everyone is dying in fires, losing their Did homes. Did you see I- the video? Of these lemmings rushing, yeah, running maskless, yeah, in in almost a dead sprint to try to get to. It's like the beginning of the fucking Amazing Race or something. Yeah, never watch that show. I'm just uh, assuming there was a run. Well, it's a show about a race, so they, you got they, it. They all just the flock in this herd, yeah, to get in line first to the fucking Donald Trump mask-free rally. Well, and isn't it kind of insulting to them that he's still holding rallies when he knows how serious this is? No, and he, it's he a knows fucking, the risks that are associated with COVID. It's a fake news hoax, Brittany Page. Come on, yeah. Come on, yeah. It's a, it's a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. There is no COVID. It's all a plot to take down the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're saying it as in like a jokey way, but there are people that really believe that. Oh, yeah. And it's 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 actually getting pretty terrifying. We're going to talk about QAnon as well. And these conspiracy Spoiler theories, alert. they're they're escalating to the point where it's it's getting very scary. And it's even apart from the QAnon conspiracy theory and the yeah. ch- child trafficking, all that insanity. Yeah. Even the wildfires here that we you just briefly mentioned are also now a part of some some widespread organized terroristic act I on know. the part of some shadowy cabal. Who fucking knows how these people come to these conclusions? Yeah, it was remarkable to see Tucker Carlson talking about how the left is using the fires as a political prop Ugh. to ratchet up fear about climate change in order to get elected. When the right is using the fires to ratchet up fear about terrorism, right, in order to get yeah. elected, I mean it's 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 just they're talking as though the left is doing exactly what they're doing, just projecting. It, it is it is. It, there's such a stark contrast right now because the left is desperate to have people listen 
to the facts, to the science, to the to the to the reality of our situation of our situation, whether that be police violence, whether that be systemic racism, whether that be climate science, and the the right does nothing but fear monger and prop up conspiracies. And this is this is where we are now. And then you have the media in the middle, oftentimes acting as though both sides have legitimacy to their points. Right. An equal footing in reality. Mm-hmm. And it's just fucking not. It's nonsense. Yeah. So if you if you live in the areas affected by the fires, if you live in an area with poor air quality right now, we are thinking of you and we are hoping that everyone Absolutely. is safe and that this will this will be over and remedied soon. Let's move on to some listener communication. Before we do, though, I'd like to drop the phone number. We would encourage you to put it in your phone. Put us in to your contact list on your smartphone like we're one of your pals. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone, record it, and email it to us to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We also accept regular old-fashioned emails at that address as well. All right, moving on. Hey, this is Brett number one. Um, I'm listening to the latest episode, and I got a, I got a pipe in about Doreen because I think she must be a long lost uh, relative of mine. Um, yeah, not only was our entire apartment or trailer or shanty of wherever we were living furnished with anything we could find at a dump or in a dumpster, I have an add-on. My siblings used to take me around at midnight when I was, you know, nine or ten years old, and I don't know if you remember those Goodwill stands or those Salvation Army stands that they had posted up along roads that people could donate to. Uh, they would take me with them and throw me in there with the flashlight and have me just throw them out anything that I thought they might want or would be valuable. And, uh, you know, I actually got a lot of toys out of that deal. So, anyway, that is uh, my contribution to that. Sorry if it sounds windy. What I like about this call is the apology at the end <laughs> for the terrible quality. Yeah, it was nice. Unbelievably shitty quality from Brett number one. Almost ready to drop the banhammer on my best friend of 30 years over the shittiness of that call. Oh. <laughs> well, Brett number... Something about Brett. That our, I mean, we have been friends for 30 years, like I said. Um, we have very similar backgrounds, having grown up and moving around all over the fucking place with, with you know, for a long time, a single mom, his mom as well. And I think we probably went to the same number of, of schools throughout our, our years, grew up very poor. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of these things are, it, 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 this, the call reminded me, by the way, un- didn't know Brett was calling in, just got a voicemail. It reminded me that there's probably a lot of people out in our audience who also grew up poor, and this is not unique. I mean, this isn't something that we've talked about ad nauseum between the two of us that we grew up, you know, with dumpster diving family or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it's probably something that's relatively common. 
Yeah, and I I always talk about how I also grew up poor, but I didn't grow up with curb couches and things like that. Yeah, so I yeah. feel like I maybe need to explain myself, but I, I was the kind of poor where my mom committed bankruptcy fraud, and I actually just Googled the statute of limitations <laughs> on it because um, I'm going sure to talk about it. So, um, so she purchased things for the home. In terms of furniture. Oh, right. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. And then dodged debt collectors for a period of time, a long period of time, and then filed bankruptcy on all of that. But did so, it with the malice of forethought that I'm going to buy this shit on a credit card or on a store credit yeah. and then never pay because I'm going to... Fu- they sh- that was the plan. So that's how we were able to have furniture when I was a kid. And I always talk about this too, that we grew up in a house. I lived in a neighborhood. So there is a certain amount of privilege still attached to that based on the school yeah. that I was allowed to attend and being able to pass really for middle class because of my aunt buying me clothes and my aunt's boyfriend buying me braces and my aunt's boyfriend buying us school supplies. I mean, we we really were supported by the community around us. And my mom obviously relied on the church to keep the house because for a long period of time, there was risk of homelessness. And we couldn't keep the heat on and the air conditioning. We couldn't pay those kinds of bills. But thanks, Mark Trailer. Exactly. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Doing good work there. Host of Christianity Without the Crap. That's yes. right. Um, that really tells you what a decent human being and Christian... I don't know why I want to give air quotes on that because he's not an air quote Christian, but that's what, that's what Christ called people to do is take care of the fucking poor. Yeah. So I don't know why I felt the need to explain all that. It's just, it's not my experience with the curb couches. It's, it is different. I I think it's, it's a good point because it does talk, it it speaks to the nuance of what privilege is. Mm -hmm. That you could just say, well, I was poor too. I didn't have any fucking privilege. But there are there are shades of privilege. Yeah, that you did grow up in a ho- house that your parents owned, even though it was on the verge of foreclosure all the time. Right. There, there is privilege in that. There's privilege of being able to pass as middle class, even though you're not. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it got better when we were older because then we were forced to work and like help keep the house. So things got better as <laughs> yeah. you got older. But it was, it was certainly difficult. Like when my dad went to prison and we were able to get gifts from different charities where they gave me clothes that were si- sizes like four times too big, all those things. Yeah, or the shop with a cop or whatever you did. Yeah, shop with a cop, all that stuff. So I, I did have experiences as a poor kid, but like we're talking about here, it is different than going yeah. dumpster diving and having all of your furniture from a curb. Yeah. Yeah. Who knew that? Brett number one's call would lead to such an interesting conversation. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Well, and, and Doreen from last time. And Doreen. Prompted you to remember your dumpster diving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. Longtime listener, first time caller. The first thing I want to say is to Jesse, get loud, swear, get passionate, cry. I love it. That's why I listen to the show. Your voice matches how I feel in my head when I read all the bullshit going on right now. So fuck you, Bill and Jesse. You keep on keeping on. Second thing I want to say is I can't imagine how hard it is to be an American right now and want to get passionate to vote for somebody. 
I remember listening to an interview with Michael Moore talking about, you know, people got to wake up and vote for Barack Obama, the first black president in history, and what kind of change that meant for the American people. And it's understandable that that passion isn't there anymore. I mean, that bumper sticker said it all. Fine, Biden. But I think it's not about getting passionate about Biden. It's about getting passionate about what will happen after him and after Trump is gone and keeping on voting and the changes that can still be made. It's not like it's you vote for him and that's the end of it. You know, there there's there's a future after after Biden. There are still choices to be made and elections to be had. But if Trump stays there, man, I really don't think there's any there's any coming back from that. And he may not be easy to get passionate about, but I think a a Biden-Kamala ticket makes it a lot easier for Republicans whose minds can be changed because it's easy to change their minds to something that's, you know, not too far from the wheelhouse. There is such a crazy divide that you have to ease people into it ease, make it easy to change their mind and then make bigger changes four years down the road. Don't forget that the future isn't over, but it has to be now. Anyway, love you guys. Jesse, keep on swearing on Brittany. Keep on wrangling them in and Popeye. You sound like a fucking pain in the ass. Love you guys. That's just my opinion from north of the border. Mm-hmm. Bye. There it is. There it is. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we were talking about. She's not wrong, though. (laughs) She's not wrong. Yeah. Well, thanks, Chelsea. Um, To your point, I guess there were uh, several points there. But one is, and it's something I didn't get to. Well, no, no, no. I don't want to say that. When Barack Obama was elected in in 2008. 2008? Yeah, that's right, right? 2008. 0300. Oh, three. Isn't that what you just said when oh, you did the time? Well, O is a letter. Zero is a number. Zero th- I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. No, you're talking like you're in the Air Force or the Army. Is that what they do? I, yeah. I, oh, 300. Oh, 600. Well, that's what you just said. When I we said were doing- zero, 300. Oh, well then. Oh, Air Force or the Army. I see. So it's a different Marine oh, wait, type thing. You thought I was in the Army? No. Is I'm that just, what you thought? This is All another. Of a sudden. This is another rivalry situation that we have going on. We we do. Is this what we have? <laughs> Are you trying to flip this around on me somehow? I'm desperately trying to anyway, flip it around Anyway, in, in 2008, <laughs> when Barack Obama was elected, I didn't vote for Barack Obama in 2008. I, I voted for John McCain. And uh, I still, walking around, I was downtown Boise that night, went out for a few glasses of wine, and remember walking around knowing this was a momentous occasion for the United States and having respect for the moment. Because I wasn't a birther when I was a conservative. I wasn't someone who thought he was fucking Al-Qaeda or some bullshit. So it it is true. I don't know. I had that thought when when, um, Chelsea was talking. But the other thing is about there is this kind of maybe it's just the, the traffic we 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 travel in the kind of the Biden ugh, like no one's really excited for Joe Biden. Yeah. 
And I, I do know some types that seem excited about Joe Biden as president. I, I don't get it because I'm not excited by him. But to leave Donald Trump in office because you're not excited is really to do damage, maybe inexorable damage. Yeah. Irreversible fucking damage to the country. Dig in a hole that we might not be able to get out of. Yeah. Well, I would also say Chelsea was making the argument that the more moderate Democrats are going to be more appealing to conservatives. And I certainly think that that is true. You have the Lincoln Project campaigning effectively for Joe Biden, and those are Republicans. But don't don't discount how popular progressive policies actually are with the general public. Right. Well, even with Republicans, when you just strip it down and talk about the issue and not label it or attach it to Democrats. Right. If you say this is a progressive policy, let's talk about it. How do you feel about it? It's oh, a no go. It. Yeah. But if you if you don't stamp that label on it, then it's going to be more palatable and follow data for progress if you're interested in some of the polling Absolutely. on on how Americans actually do support many progressive policies because I think people think oh it's too it's too far left. You're going too far. When really like you said the, the support for the policies, once you take that label off of them, it's, it's quite high. Since this episode is the spoiler episode, mm-hmm. uh, I want to say how, how much it makes, how good it makes me feel that we have people who are not American, like Chelsea, who are Patreon supporters. Absolutely. It, it is, it makes me a little, a little emotional because it's, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Our, po- I mean, it does. In a in a sideways sense, you know, several steps of uh, of removal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like a disconnection thing. Your watch? Yes. Several steps of removal. It does ultimately. The policies affect uh, Canada and other countries. But it it makes me feel very good that we have people from around the world who support the show, not only through listening, but also through giving of their money. That's a a big deal. It makes me feel very good. Thank you, Chelsea. And, you know, I spoiled it for for the Patreon mid-roll. Well, and Canada's really taking care of biz because as of today, they reported no new deaths from coronavirus for the first time since March. Yeah. So there you go. And here we are. A bordering nation who cannot get its fucking shit together to save our life, to literally save our lives. At least we feel really calm. <laughs> That's right. At least we're at, at peace. Least, at least we weren't panicked by <laughs> Donald Trump. Thank you, our dear leader, for not panicking us. I mean, you know, 200,000 of our neighbors and, and, and brothers and sisters and family members have died. But at least I, I don't feel panicked about it. Yeah. You fucking idiot. All right. Speaking of getting sick. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Kelly from New England. Uh, sorry, it's been a while. Uh, but I wanted to let Jesse know that this year, uh, Walgreens is not doing the free flu shot for veterans. It's happening at CVS, Costco, and at Walmart pharmacies. So just wanted to kind of put the word out there for other veterans. You can still get your free, uh, free flu shot and hurry because apparently – uh, those things are flying off the shelf. Uh, we'll call, I'm sure, later with many, many, many long opinions. Okay. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. part. Well, Kelly better apologize. God damn it. You stole my shit. 
What? During the show, when a voicemail's happening, we <laughs> You're do- genuinely mad right we, now. <laughs> no, I'm not. But we do this thing where we're like, who's going to come in after the call? Yeah, we have a little point system. So we're not system. stepping on each other's dicks. And we, you either point at yourself, I point at myself. Yeah. And we so do a little I, finger wag between, so, between the two right. of us. So I finger wag. I said, I want to come out of this call. Yeah. And then at the very end, before Kelly t- hung up, <laughs> you pointed <laughs> at yourself. Yeah. And then you said exactly what I was going to say, <laughs> which was- Apology not accepted, Kelly. Mm-hmm. She apologized for not calling in in a while. Yeah. Apology not accepted. How dare you fucking steal my shit? <laughs> I'm sorry, but we, we've we missed hearing from Kelly in New England, and we hope Kelly from New England is doing well. Very much appreciate this information about flu shots. We were just talking about how we both want to get ours as soon as possible. So it's good information for you to have because you did go to... Walgreens, Walgreens yeah, last right. year to get it. I was trying to contract with the VA to, mm-hmm. to provide them for free to veterans, uh, or at least those covered by veterans healthcare. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but uh, she says this year, CVS, Costco, and Walmart pharmacies are the ones that are contracted now. So uh, if you're a veteran, get out there and get your, I mean, you're saving 20 or $40, whatever it is. Big deal, and also very fucking important to get your flu shot. More important this year. I, we always, you know, everything's well, it's the 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 most you've ever seen. The most blah blah blah, whatever. But it is more important this year than ever because of the fact that we don't want an insane flu season to happen in the midst of coronavirus and the pandemic because it will lead to an inexorable amount of deaths. I mean, an immeasurable damage will be done. So get out there. Make sure, whether it's free or not, you get a flu shot this year. Absolutely. If you're able to, if you're not immunocompromised or or have some situation where you're medically legitimately not able to. Not because, oh, you get the flu when you get the fucking flu shot. That's all nonsense. Getting a flu shot, one, is protecting you from getting the flu. But also... It is making, it's like wearing a mask. It's not necessarily for you. It's so you don't pass something on to somebody else who's not able to get a flu shot and they'll die because they are immunocompromised. Be a good person. Get a fucking flu shot. And wear a mask. And wear a goddamn, I mean, I don't have to say that to our audience. Listen, if you're out there not wearing a mask, who the fuck do you think you are? And to the dudes out Banned there... Banned from the show. Banned from the show. To the dudes out there who are worried about how it looks when they wear a mask, don't worry. You look super manly. Listen, if you're worried about how you look with a mask on, you don't look that great with a fucking mask on. Just wear the goddamn mask. You know what was interesting is uh, when I flew to Spokane, I wore an N95 with a cloth mask over it. Mm. And I did not take it off. I wore it... In the lift. Wait, and you didn't die from breathing your own CO2 or whatever? No. So I had it on for maybe six, seven. Five or six. Well, because of layovers. Yeah. yeah, uh, Quite a long time because I didn't didn't take it off to have a snack or a little drink of water. Yeah. I kept it on the whole time. Water. (laughs) And everything worked out. Okay. So you're going to be fine. People work eight hour shifts, sometimes longer because they're nurses that are saving the lives of people who maybe didn't wear a mask. So please wear it and just uh, be quiet about it. Again, probably a message that's lost on our audience because they're already on board. But if not, come on, get the fuck out of here. Anyway, moving on. So moving on to the next call, but 
I want to give I want to give a little bit of background. Obviously, we've talked about Donald Trump and these Woodward tapes, these Bob Woodward tapes. And I've had a lot of criticism for Bob Woodward. I think Brittany feels the same way as I do. Yeah. Um, and I've gotten a little bit of pushback on YouTube, largely supportive of, yeah, hey, why why did he not release these calls? Yeah. But there have been a lot of people who are who are taking the the, the making having the same questions or even more aggressively of the next caller. Well, because that is what the criticism of Bob Woodward is. It is, excuse me, if you had these tapes in February, yeah. why didn't you release these tapes? And in fact, it's being used against him now by Donald Trump, who's saying, listen, if what I said was so bad, then why didn't he just tell everybody what I said? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, there are people who are coming to the defense of Bob Woodward, or at the very least, asking questions about why it is that what he did was so bad, or what he didn't do was so bad. Hey, Jesse Abram, it's uh, Chris again. Uh, so hmm, just quick question, not a criticism or, or anything, a legitimate question. I don't understand where people are upset at Bob Woodward. And this is, I'm not towing the liberal line here, but... I haven't heard anything new come out. We've just heard it on tape. I, speaking of the COVID, knowing of the COVID uh, earlier, there, I don't have the date, but there was reporting that he got briefed out on January 28th. So I don't understand, and I'm, I'm curious, because I could very well be missing something, um, where this anger is coming out uh, from. I, I would, to me, where, where is the anger on, on the lack of action? Like, again, this is not new. Where, where, where's the anger on, you know, the, the Republican senators or anything else like that not taking action? Um, when are people going to understand that he doesn't give a flying fuck? He, when I say he, I'm talking about the GOP um, headed by the Big Orange, about people or people's lives. I knew what my life was, was worth when Kemp uh, released, basically said, we opened up the state. Uh, whatever his stock portfolio was at that time was my life value and my son's life value. So, yeah, I, I honestly I don't understand. I, I can loosely see where it's coming from, and I would agree with it if this information wasn't already out there. The, the Khashoggi, the uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, all that stuff. Anyway, so anyway, I just would like to hear some feedback on that. Secondly, I hope that motherfucker, not only hope that motherfucker gets COVID, I hope his anus falls out, gets chewed on by a rat, while he's trying to stuff it back up his hiney hole from the COVID. Fuck them and the fucking GOP and Supreme Court. God damn it. All right. Thanks. So. A lot going on there. Uh, the yeah. Um, okay. So here's how I envision the morning is like for Chris when he wakes up every morning. He has <laughs> a paper in front of him. And there's uh, at the top, it says the number of people I can be angry with today. And then there's just one bullet. There's only one bullet point and he can only be angry with one person each day. And then that's it. Okay. He <laughs> that, can't be concerned that, or be angry about multiple things. It's the one thing. With a pitcher of, of uh, like high test coffee as a chaser. <laughs> a lot of energy there. There's, there's a decent <laughs> amount of energy. We admire it, but. I, I struggle to understand this thinking of not being able to be angry about many things at one time or be upset about many things at one time. He's talking about why are people upset at Bob Woodward when they should be angry at Republican senators? Like, 
this this isn't a binary choice. Yeah. You can be upset about multiple different things. Bad and, behavior. And in fact, you should be angry with Bob Woodward. I don't know why you wouldn't be. And he kind of lost me when he started talking about, we already knew all this, Kim Jong-un. I have no idea what he was talking about there. But we didn't know that Donald Trump knew everything yeah. that he knew in of February. Course, of course, we suspected. Right. But suspecting... And lining that up against his pattern of behavior isn't knowing. Right. It's having a good idea, but it's not knowledge. It's not absolutely knowing. Yeah. And here's the thing. History is going to judge the complicit. And that's that goes for everyone in Donald Trump's administration who sees what is happening behind the scenes and refuses to speak up, refuses to be honest, refuses to engage genuinely with questions from the media about what we suspect is going on behind the scenes. And Bob Woodward aided in this. Yeah. He did by not releasing these tapes. And for people who say, what would have changed? How how do you know that nothing would have been changed? People having the benefit of hindsight. But the benefit of knowing what happened over the course of the last six months, not knowing in the moment what maybe it would have changed. Because you know what it might have changed? People hearing Donald Trump say, it's really serious. Oh, my God. Kids can get it. Right. And then not pushing to have their kids go to school. Right. It's hearing your dear leader say what he won't fucking say in public. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the story surrounding this is more about who continues to behave a certain way around Donald Trump, whether it's because they want more power or they want more money or they want access Hint, hint, journalism. Yeah. Well, access journalism. Sure. Absolutely. And it, it's a problem when we don't call these things out. We can be angry with Donald Trump for lying to the American people, for not acting when he knew that this was serious and more serious than the flu in February. We can be angry with Republican senators, and we can be angry that Bob Woodward sat on this until he was ready to release his book and make money. Multiple things can be true at the same fucking time. Listen, absolutely. Listen, if... If Bob Woodward had spoken to, I'm going to create an imaginary scenario, kind of surrounding 9-11, let's say. If Bob Woodward had a conversation, a private recorded conversation with George W. Bush in the aftermath of, of 9-11, where George Bush not only admitted that he knew he had absolute foreknowledge that 9-11 was going to happen, but there was going to be a series of events that raised the death toll of 9-11. But publicly, George W. Bush was saying something different. People would be fucking outraged. Like, oh, why did you not... T- you, have, you have an obligation as a journalist, as a fucking journalist, to give that information to the public and not hold on to it for almost a year so you could publish your book and have a great book. So why is that any different? When now, when he was talking to Bob Woodward... Fewer than 500 Americans had died. Fewer than 500 Americans had died. And now almost a quarter of a million Americans are dead. And he sat on it because of his book. You have have an obligation as a journalist. You have an obligation as an American. Listen, this isn't some anonymous source that you're holding on to because you're going to put it in your book. This is the president of the United States of America lying about something that led to the death 
of 200,000 people. I don't fucking understand not being outraged at Bob Woodward, like you said. Yeah, I I, I don't understand it either. And of course, that doesn't mean that uh, Donald Trump doesn't hold the responsibility for this. Of course. <laughs> it's it, like you said, multiple things can be true at the same time. And that should really be like the slogan of the show, because I feel like we, we emphasize change the name of the show. We emphasize that point <laughs> a lot. And I think it's not popular to say that it's not popular to talk about that. It's it's more popular to be radical and and not look for nuance. But we're lost without that. So we, we really need to get that figured out. Listen, even in my YouTube comments, I got a lot of this. Well, no, we should be angry at Trump. I just did a 20 minute video talking about this, <laughs> these clips. Did you not hear me be angry at fucking Donald Trump? Did you not hear me spewing fucking outrage at Donald Trump? And I spent like a minute and a half Talking about Bob Woodward, and it's, oh, what do you mean, Bob Woodward? It's Trump! It's only Trump! Only Trump! (laughs) It's not only fucking Trump. Yes, it's Trump. Yes, he's in power. Yes, he makes decisions. But the the press has an obligation. They're the only occupation mentioned in the Constitution that is protected. He has an obligation under the... If he wants to call himself a fucking journalist, he better act like one. And holding on to information is not what journalists do, especially, I realize there are special circumstances that don't involve writing a fucking book, but also when a quarter million people are going to die in a short period of time. Come on, man. Anyway. Well, just like it has put an end to the speculation over Donald Trump's knowledge, Donald Trump's understanding, that how that happened this month in September, that would have happened in February. Yeah. It would have put an end to the questioning. Donald Trump knows. Yeah. He understands it's more serious than the flu. He understands the risks associated with it. He's he, he's apparently wanting to play it down. Now that we know this information, now that it has been exposed in the public, right. how do we move forward? We don't know. No one knows how that could have changed things. How that could more- How it could have messed with his ability to call it a hoax. All of that. How it could have, how it could have swayed the thinking of his supporters. Right. Who hear his stupid mouth and the stupid words fall out of his fat fucking face. They could have said, Oh, the dear leader does believe it's not a hoax. He does believe it's serious. He does believe kids can get it. We better act accordingly. It's a possibility. I mean, we don't know, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, we're not soothsayers. Yeah. We are not, we, we don't read the future. Everybody goes, oh, that, that wouldn't have happened. How the fuck do you know? You don't know. And I'm not yelling at Chris. I'm, I'm, he's taking the brunt of all of my angst of all the YouTube comments and all the idiots on Facebook that I'm seeing saying you, it wouldn't have done anything and nothing would have changed. You don't know. It's a bold prognostication. (laughs) Very bold. Anyway, we love you, Chris. Sorry that I just puked all that venom all over you. It wasn't on you, brother. Wasn't on you. Moving on. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Kel from Kansas. Um, I just wanted to vent a little bit. I had something I wanted to share, but I mostly wanted to vent because people are pissing me off tonight. Um, so I'm watching my favorite team in the whole wide world, the Kansas City Chiefs, kick off the NFL, okay? 101st season of the NFL, right? Kick off. Team just won the Super Bowl last year. Super stoked about it, right? Anyway. Well, during the beginning of the game, they play the national anthem. 
during the national anthem, the players decide that they're going to interlock arms. The Chiefs and the Texans players all interlock in one long chain of solidarity to show togetherness and strength through the to show solidarity with the movement for racial equality in this country. Okay. And while they're doing that, a lot of the damn jack wagons at the stadium started to boo. Now, whatever, okay? Free speech. You hate race. You're, you're racist. You want to boo. Whatever. Fine. Okay? I don't care. But what kind of triggered me was during the game, I'm on my Facebook, and everybody's got one or two of the dickhead friends that they got that are just Trump flag through and through. They like to sniff Trump's butthole, that kind of stuff, right? But those guys, right? I got I got one of those, too. And this guy posted, I'm not watching the NFL. You know, he's a Chiefs fan, too. He's from Kansas. He's a big Chiefs fan. I'm not watching. Well, somebody had made a comment underneath and said, oh, you're. I bet you will watch. And under that comment said something that really pissed me off. And he says, well, I don't love the team as much as I love my country. You know, I imagine he said it that way typed in a comment, but I imagine he said it with that brevity, like, I love my country more than this game. And I just thought to myself, bro, I know you. You ain't done shit for this country, bro. Like, you ain't never served in the military, which I'm not saying the only way you can love this country is to serve in the military, but you've never done a selfless act for this country. You've never served in the Red Cross. You've never served in the Peace Corps. You never worked at the Goodwill. Hell, he probably didn't even shop at the Goodwill. He doesn't do anything. He's never done anything to benefit or further the greatness of this country in any way whatsoever, okay? But you want to talk about how these NFL players ain't shit because they are choosing to use their platform to bring awareness, okay, to a dire situation that's in this country. And it kind of pissed me off. So I'm borrowing Jesse's word. It's a very strong word, patriot. People like that are patriots. Thank you, Jesse, for making that word up. You guys have a great day. I'm going to use it. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. I'm not sure if I made it up. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Fake triot. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I doubt it, but I don't fucking know. Yeah, this could be another fringe situation. Yeah, it could. It very no, it could be. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and I. I don't want to take credit for something somebody else created. Yeah, <laughs> it's not in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if I did, that's awesome. I'm fucking smart and clever and yeah, beautiful, really great. wonderful, yeah. the greatest ever. Mm-hmm. But if not, yeah, you know, somebody else was. Yeah. Um. There's one element to the story that I'm bombed. I was waiting for Kel to say it, and he didn't fucking say it. Wow. How dare you, Kel? You dropped the ball. Yeah, banned from the show. So, uh, it's this. They interlocked arms while standing. The teams interlocked. They were standing for the national anthem. They were standing. Interlocking arms. Apparently that now is no good. That's booable. Which lays this entire charade. This entire thing was a fucking charade. Of, oh, you got to stand for the national anthem. You can't kneel for the national anthem. You got to respect the flag, y'all. But when they do stand and all they do is lock arms, oh, we got to boo that shit too. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't about that. Yeah. It's about coming together to address a systemic inequality in the United States. It's about 
being against police brutality. That's what it's about. It's about black people gaining equality and equity in our in our in our society. That's what it's about. And that's what they're against. It, it reminds me of a quote, and I, I don't remember if this is the exact quote. Just act or, like you made it up. Go ahead. Just do what I do. Yeah, I think I read it somewhere. I don't even know if this is the exact quote, but it's something like, there's no form of protest that white supremacy will sanction. That's exactly right. And ah, it, exactly right. it really comes down to that, where it's just there's there's nothing that will be considered acceptable. There's nothing. And it goes back to people romanticizing the civil rights movements of the 60s, not knowing that there was widespread disapproval. Yeah, ex- explain just saying people romanticizing the civil rights era doesn't people like, what the fuck is she talking about? Explain what you mean by that. I mean, conservatives using the cons- the civil rights movement as this model for how to be when it comes to peaceful protests and how to when the moral mind of the nation, as David Brooks puts it in the New York Times, that kind of thing, where conservatives talk about this is the way to do it. Ignoring the fact that the civil, like the March on Washington in August of 1963 was wildly unpopular, wildly unpopular at the time and for several years after. Yeah, as were sit-ins at lunch counters, as was Martin Luther King Jr. He was not widely approved of in the 60s. And there's Gallup po- polling to show that. So it's it's just odd because there seems to be this very convenient amnesia that conservatives are going through right now where they're forgetting what the civil rights movement actually looked like. And we still aren't to a point where protesting is accepted, whether it be peaceful protests or whether it be people taking to the streets it, it's unacceptable in any way and you see that like you just said of standing for the anthem and hearing the booze that's because cr- protest is synonymous with criticism for the country and that's what they can't fucking stand for mm-hmm. everyone not everyone many people most people all right we'll still we'll land on that one Most people want the status quo to be upheld. Exactly. And when you criticize the country, you are criticizing the status quo, and that cannot be, I will not abide that, sir. No. Yeah. Well, also, the power feels threatened. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, other than leaving out the best part, Cal, awesome point. I mean, other than the fact that you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, you know, what are you going to do? Not everybody can be perfect. That's football, right? Certainly not even me, who can't even say what team he is a fan of and has been since 1983 until they change their fucking name. We'll leave it at that. That's a football team, right? All right. The Chiefs? We get it. You don't care about sports. (laughs) Hey, Brittany. Hey, Jesse. This is uh, Mr. Rock, calling from Germany. Uh, I just wanted to chime in about the news I just found out uh, since I... I'm a few hours ahead of you guys, but then when news is happening in the States, I mean, they're at work at, or asleep or just getting home. Anyways, about the Nevada thing, I have to be a Nevada resident out here. And a little bit before fucking Trump's stupid ass decided to, hey, the, this is cheating if you vote by mail and all this shit. I was already planning on voting by mail again since I've been out here for a while. Anyways. It's really pissing me off what my state legislature is doing, and I believe also Oregon, if I remember correctly, uh, from a quick news feed I heard before I went to bed the other night, and it's just still boiling me up. I have ran to another uh, Nevadan today and an Oregonian, Oregonian, whatever, Oregon person, <laughs> today at work, and it was like, what 
what the fuck is going on with our state? Like, they realize uh, there's a decent number of people from all 50 states that are overseas that are completely eligible to vote, and we can't ship the vote because we live out here or stationed out here or whatever, whatever situation. I'm not just traveling the world on my own goddamn dime. I ain't rich. Anyways, I want to give you guys a piece on that, and Jesse, since you were a Marine at one point, I heard from somebody <laughs> once or twice. What is your take on that? The fact that they're basically alienating all service members that have to be overseas, whether it's a combat deployment, they're stationed in Europe, they're on whatever in Africa or in the Middle East or uh, Japan, the specific rim. What is your take on that uh, as well? Brittany, your, your opinion is also validated as someone that is adjacent to this, even though you may not have been with Jesse when he was in the service. Uh, give, shoot me your two cents. Uh, this is Mr. Rock from Germany. You guys are both the best part. And uh, record some of those farts for Popeyes. I want to hear that shit. Record farts? That would take a lot of effort. That is a very specific fetish, Mr. Rock. Uh, I don't think we'll be doing that. <laughs> We're going to have to leave a microphone right by his butthole for a long time. <laughs> well, no, probably not too long. Right. They happen pretty frequently. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, um, I don't... I, I didn't get the exact gist of what the problem was here. Let me let me say this. When I was... My last duty station in the, the, the Marine Corps was... At a headquarters unit, because I had dislocated my hip and my knee in a motorcycle accident and a training accident on a reconnaissance motorcycle. Anyway, it's a whole fucking scene going on. But um, I was kind of an office job for the last year and a half or so. And I was the voting officer for our company, hmm. H&S Company, 2nd Marine Division. And why are you giving me the smirky look? It's just very meaningful to people who are Don't not fucking know. in the military. Yeah, right. yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Makes so a lot of sense. I, um, there should be a very robust get out the vote effort in your unit hmm. in, in the military. There, there, there just should. There, you, you should have a voting officer either at the battalion level or the company level. And I'm using Marine Corps. I don't know how the fucking army works or the Air Force works. Or whatever, you know, lesser service you're in. Wow. <laughs> are, are you saying that should be the case because that is the way that it is? Yeah, there okay. should be someone who is a point of contact. I see. Um, who, who, who handles getting those materials out. Maybe not actively going out to, in the barracks or wherever and saying, hey, listen, here's your ballot. But should be someone you can go to to get your ballot who can organize by state and make certain that you're able to vote. Um, taking that further, stateside, there's a lot of deference given to out-of-country ballots, especially coming from an APO, hmm. which are usually military bases, mm -hmm. American post office. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like in Germany, he's in Germany. Yeah. So you you should not be there should your your vote should not be curtailed you should not be discouraged it shouldn't be now maybe coming from Donald Trump yeah although Donald Trump would think just like most re Republicans do that um your military vote is a guaranteed Republican vote mm. or maybe they're starting to fear that who fucking knows yeah but go find out who your 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 voting officer is your voting contact within the I mean I was enlisted I wasn't an officer that was just the title of the person. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I, listen, I feel for you. Mm -hmm. It's, um, and it is Oregonian. Mm. Even though it's Oregon. 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 It's not Oregon. Mm -hmm. Fucking Mr. Rock. 
<laughs> can can you hear this when I'm clicking my? I can. Yeah. When I'm clicking my my, my fingernail probably, on the pen. Yeah, probably right, not. I'll stop do that. doing that. Yeah. Thing. Anyway, thanks for the call, everybody. We appreciate it very much. Whole bunch of listener communication this episode that is beautiful. Uh, who knew it would take us this deep into the episode? Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, we got a lot to get to. Well, let's also say that we've agreed on a new schedule for recording. We used- we agreed on a schedule we're really going to try to stick to. Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah, because things have been crazy, obviously, with the hell hole that is the year 2020 and everything that's been going on. But- and you have a full-time job. Yeah, I have a full-time job. And <laughs> yes, so we have agreed that we are going to do our best to adhere to recording Sunday night. And Wednesday night. Yeah, but which is, by the way, coincidentally, it's what the 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 predetermined schedule used to be back in the old days when we were a tried and true Monday release and Thursday release. Yeah, we used to record on Sunday and record on Wednesday. Yeah, so we're gonna get back to that, and we actually have an interview scheduled for this week as well that mm. we're really excited about. It's a big get. Yeah, very excited. Yeah, so look for that this upcoming week. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. So these three names that I'm going to read are all Patreon supporters who not only upped their pledge, their pledges, but they also more than doubled the pledge. Yes! Okay, here we go. Oh, I mean doubled and in some cases more than doubled. Okay, here we go. All right. Chelsea from Canada. Chelsea from Canada. Doubled the pledge. Doubled the pledge. Stephen G. Stephen G. More than doubled. (laughs) More than doubled. And Laura C. Laura C. More than doubled. Oh! Beautiful. Thank you so much. We very much appreciate it. We appreciate everyone who supports us, whether it's on Patreon, giving us PayPal donations, which we actually have a a message to read because we got a PayPal donation with a message. And this is actually from Sam in Spokane. If my football pool has to be canceled, I should put that money to good use. There are hundreds of worthy causes, all of them important, but there is also great value in the work you do. Any step we can take to change the presidential leadership in this country, even if our guy isn't the ideal choice, will pay dividends for generations. You may read this on air if you choose. I give my blessing in the hopes that it could inspire others to help the show. Sam in Spokane. We love Sam Blessings. Sam has given his blessing. Yes. Sam has been a long time supporter and listener of the show, and we very much love and appreciate him. And thank you for this very kind message. If you can't give to us on Patreon and PayPal, don't feel guilty. It's it's really tough times right now. There are so many people who are suffering, and we don't want anyone to ever feel guilty because they can't support us in that way. If you listen to the show and you engage with us and you send us a voice memo, you send us a voicemail that means everything to us and that is a form of support reviewing the show on itunes without using profanity that is a form of support and like we said just listening to the show engaging with us on twitter engaging with the facebook page all of that is support and we appreciate 
everyone in the audience who gives us that support and has stuck by us even in these very difficult times this year. Yeah, you know, if, if people were to share the posts from the Facebook page to their Facebook page of the episodes, if there's an episode that res- that resonates with you, I almost said resounds with you, that resonates with you particularly well or you enjoyed it particularly well, go to the Facebook page because it will be posted on the Facebook page and um, share it. Maybe one of your friends who's like-minded might tune in. Maybe somebody who's not like-minded will tune in. And we, we have an opportunity to change some hearts and minds. Less likely, but, you know, still it's a promotion. Mm-hmm. It's good. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for all of your support. It is a beautiful thing that we do not take for granted. All right. Moving on. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Since this is the episode of spoilers, Brittany Page, mm-hmm. two things are kind of being spoiled here. One is that uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the aforementioned uh, Pat Robertson. The venerable, the anti-venerable Pat Robertson of the 700 Club of the Christian Broadcasting Network, who has a uh, a penchant, who's made a cottage industry out of saying radical, insanely bigoted things, whether it be that you'll get the, the, that the gays will give you the stuff mm-hmm. with a barbed ring that they'll cut you with and then give you their AIDS. That's mm. something he has said in the past. We're going to talk about something he said about Black Lives Matter, but also it kind of previews the guest we're going to have coming up, mm-hmm. who has written a book about this very thing, about how the American Christian Church has a lot of work to do to extricate itself from white supremacy, yeah, or at the very least, structural systemic racism. Absolutely. And this is Pat Robertson criticizing the Black Lives Matter movement. No, it's amazing that these people are, these athletes are getting sucked into this and so-called fellow travelers and even businesses. But, you know, the athletes used to be terribly uh, admired by all of society. They had a very, very positive rating. That rating has gone to negative because of their association with Black Lives Matter. It's not just the statement, of course, Black Lives Matter. Of course, we care about... uh, uh, oppression against poor people. Everybody uh, who's got any sense would do that. They they don't like police brutality or some of those things. But that legitimate thing has been hijacked by these radicals, and they're using that uh, that label uh, to uh, 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 put forth an agenda. And people need to be aware of it. They're talking about Marxist communism. They're talking about destroying the nuclear family. They're talking about uh, destroying essentially Christianity as as being racist. Now, all the way through, they want to upend the capitalist structure and destroy America. Now, if some athlete uh, wants to get an endorsement, if I were a corporate head, I wouldn't give 10 cents to to pay him to endorse my product. Why would I want Colin Kaepernick to endorse Wheaties or whatever it is I'm selling. 
But uh, I think some of the big corporations are going along. But people need to understand that this is a stalking horse for a very, very radical anti-family, anti-God agenda. And you, whoever's watching, people should be aware that they're not just standing with the poor, oppressed black people. Of course we want to stand with oppressed people against police brutality. Of course we do. But we don't want to go along with a lesbian, anti-family, anti-capitalist, Marxist revolution. We don't want that for America. <laughs> Just a buzzword salad at the I end there. I know. God damn. So what's interesting about this is I feel like he is making the assumption that a lot of these athletes are not Christians. Because yeah. they are, he, he's saying that they are critical of the religion of Christianity, equating it with, or saying that it, it has racist ideas. It's promoting racist ideas. Yeah. But I think a lot of these athletes are actually, if you were to survey them, uh, Christians. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, it's, it's blending these athletes who lock arms standing up for the pledge. Mm-hmm. He's blending that with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Which, come on. Yes. Well, he was blending a lot of different... Although, Lesbian came out of nowhere at the end of that. Yeah, I don't even like know right what what is happening. Wheaties came up. Does anyone eat Wheaties anymore? Is well, that... He, he, well, he, he, that's awesome that you say that because it really is pointing to how in the past... This, this guy's a fucking dinosaur and he's remembering when if you made it on a box of Wheaties, you had made it. as an athlete that was like the pinnacle oh they were on a box of wheaties come on dude seriously is wheaties still a fucking oh you can hear it in his voice he's spit everywhere and just he's like just skin stretched over a fucking skeleton oh my god by the way how many times of course we're against police brutality of course we're against poverty of course we're against oppression it's not, of course, guy. How it's do you really show, not. How do you fucking show that you're against it? Yeah. Guy who's worth a tenth of a billion dollars? A hundred million dollars? Disciple of Christ on earth? Whining that it's anti-gun? Because, you know, back in the day, Jesus was all about making sure the sword lobby was fucking covered. They're trying to take our swords away. Jesus had no fucking care about weapons. When 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 the, the, the Roman soldier's ear got chopped off, when they tried to take Jesus, what did he do? According to the Bible. He picked it up and magically made it go back on his head. <laughs> He didn't say that's what you get because of the sword, y'all. <laughs> Yeehaw! Fucking sword. Get him at me. Get him down. Now, Jesse. Jesse. You weren't there. <laughs> you weren't there. You don't that's know. That's right. I have no idea. You don't. Know. Actually, it's very likely that Jesus was all about the sword. That's one interpretation of the Bible. <laughs> Let me tell you about another one. Okay? It is just fucking nonsense, and this is, look, this is the blending of American politics and global Christianity. It's no longer Christianity for the world. 
This is an American version, a white nationalist version of Christianity that stands in place to oppress black and brown and poor people mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Christian nationalism yes, is what it is, for absolutely. sure. And I, <laughs> it's just interesting that we've talked about Pat Robertson since we started the show, and he continues to be this voice that makes headlines. And that's really the more remarkable thing to me is <laughs> how he continues to kind of be like a leading voice in the evangelical movement. That's it. He's mockable for our people. Yeah. But this is a guy who's, res- I mean, it's the same as Donald Trump. He's very mockable because he's a moron. But he is listened to. He's respected. He is revered. Same thing with Pat Robertson. That's a problem. That's dangerous. Especially when he is trafficking in hate. This is hate and bigotry. This isn't this isn't what 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 you would expect to hear from Jesus. And if you are a disciple, a modern day disciple of Christ, what are you what are you gonna be saying? Oh, they're trying to take our guns. Of course we're for the black people that we're trying to malign all the time. Of course we are. It's just nonsense. Anyway. We thought they'd bring we'd bring that to you because that was a good time. Fucking Pat Robertson. Because like, <laughs> listen. He's 90. That guy's on his last fucking legs. His birthday's in March. Yeah, that, that guy's... I mean, listen, we want to get as many Pat Robertson clips in as we can because we're going to have to retire the Carmina Burana. I mean, we'll have to attach it to somebody else. I think we've used it for somebody else before. Hmm, I don't Well, I think we're trying to transition out of having it be only for... Because the name of the clip is Evil Pat Robertson, Carmina Burana. Well, that's because you named it that. We can name no, it something I different. I know, but I've been using it. I mean, that's what it's named on the board. Yeah. For six years. <laughs> yeah. For six years, it's been attached to this. Did we start the show bag. on Pat Robertson's birthday, March 22nd? March 11th. Oh, okay. That would have been, you. that would have been very exciting. <laughs> very exciting. What a beautiful birthday gift. Speaking of very exciting, this weekend, Donald Trump gave an interview with the upstanding and well-respected, filled-with-integrity journalist, Judge Jeanine Pirro. See what I did there? I did. Hilarious joke. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said some very troubling things, I think even for Donald Trump. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of people who chalk it up to his lack of ability to understand what words actually mean. But nonetheless, it is troubling when Donald Trump talks about the death of the, of, of the guy who shot the Patriot Prayer person in Portland. That he, the, this person, was shot and killed by the U.S. Marshal Service when they were trying to apprehend him. Now listen to Donald Trump talk about that moment. Yeah, so let's let's give a little bit more background on right. what actually happened last week. So the so there's two names here, and one of them I'm going to struggle to say. Hopefully, I say it correctly, and one of them I know how to say. Okay, Aaron Danielson is the guy who was shot by the Antifa protester. The Antifa protester's name is Michael Forrest Ryanhold. Okay. And 
He was interviewed actually by Vice. Vice somehow... Like the day before he was killed by federal authorities. Mm -hmm. So this all happened. The fatal shooting of Aaron Danielson was on August 29th. And last week, police surrounded the um, self-described anti-fascist protester, Michael Forrest Reinhold. And according to witnesses, he obviously was not armed. And in fact, he was walking, holding a cell phone and eating gummy worms as he was walking to his car outside an apartment complex in Lacey, Washington. And then according to this Washington Post reporting, quote, that's when officers opened fire without first announcing themselves or trying to arrest him. They assassinated him. And if if that description is correct, that is an assassination. Well, and this is the account of, like I said, a witness who lives in the apartment complex, saw what happened, and is reporting this information to media outlets. So what this looks like is exactly what you just said. They tracked him, and then they killed him without announcing that they were there or even trying to apprehend him. Which explains exactly how Donald Trump is talking about the incident. Wheeler's a disaster. He's right. a laughingstock. He went out to protest with the so-called agitators, and they were going to destroy him. They were going to beat him up badly. He fortunately had security, but they were going to beat him up badly. The man is a disaster. If he would say, come into Portland, within a half an hour, the whole thing would be But solved. he's not going to say that. Uh, the governor's gotten closer. Look what's going on out there. That's I will tell Kate you, Brown, the it? governor has gotten closer. I spoke to the governor two days ago. Good. They're arresting a lot of people. Good. Now, we sent in the U.S. Marshals for the killer, the man that killed the young man in the street. Just right. shot him. I mean, it was yeah, intelligent. Cold-blooded killed him. He didn't like his hat or he didn't like something. And it wasn't a Trump hat. Right. It was peaceful It was prayer. It was a lot. It was a religious hat. Right. And he shot him cold blood. Two and a half days went by. And I put out, when are you going to go get him? And the U.S. Marshals went in to get him. And in a short period of time, they ended in a gunfight. This guy was a violent criminal. Out of the mouth. And the U.S. Marshals killed him. And I will tell you something. That's the way it has to be. There has to be retribution when you have crime like this. There can't be guys standing up that want to fight. They want to fight. You can't throw bricks at people with shields. But the problem, Mr. President, you and I both agree. The problem is there are now prosecutors who are not. All right, listen. There has to be. This is. They killed him. This is how it has to be. There has to be retribution. Retribution. Punishment inflicted on someone as vengeance for a wrong or criminal act. Donald Trump is talking about revenge against someone who shot in in self-defense or not one of his supporters. Mm -hmm. He is talking about revenge. This is fascism. Mm Mm-hmm. This is authoritarianism fucking run amok. And what are Republicans doing? Nothing. Do you know why? Because they don't care or they agree. My bet is on the latter. Either way, complicit. Absolutely. And I just want to say for the record, in the interview with Vice News, the Antifa protester 
said that he did shoot in self-defense. He said that he believed Danielson was a member of the far-right group Patriot Prayer and that he was threatening him and a friend. And so the act was in self-defense, which you'd think that conservative Republicans would be in support of. Yeah, stand your ground, right? Absolutely, but apparently not. Listen. I also want to add that... The account from the witness that we just covered before the the Janine Pirro clip contradicts details offered by federal authorities. Where Donald Trump said it was a gunfight. Yeah, because they are claiming that he, the Antifa protester of the the name that I'm struggling to say, so I'm avoiding saying it. Self-described Antifa. Self-described. What did I say? No, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, He has called himself... Antifa all the way or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. They claim that he pulled a gun as members of the task force tried to arrest him. So two other witnesses actually said that they saw him fire at the police, fire a weapon at the police. So there's different stories that are being floated. Yeah. And of course, this happens with eyewitness testimony. It's notoriously difficult to really pin down what actually happened because different things influence what people remember, right? But I also want to talk about an aspect of this, which is Janine Pirro and how she's like a congregation at a church affirming everything that Donald Trump says. What is with the feedback that she's giving him during the interview? I mean, she's just affirming everything that he's saying as he's saying it. Wait till the next clip. It gets even worse. Uh, It's it's horrifying. Does she feel embarrassed when she listens to this? Or does she think, oh, wow, I did some really great work here? Oh, I think (laughs) she's like, oh, I'm going to cash some fat checks from Fox News because this is my job. Yeah. Anyway, here's the next one where he's encouraging these types, these patriot prayer people, these proud boys who go out, and listen, they are white nationalist groups. If you're going out to counter-protest Black Lives Matter, you're a white supremacist, white nationalist group. Because if your goals are counter to black people having equity or equality in our society, (laughs) you are what you are. Here's the next one. We're not there yet. But you have people that are very angry. You start seeing them, the trucks come in and the this comes in. and that. All of a sudden, you're going to see a backlash, the likes of which you haven't seen in many, many years. Because people aren't going to take it. You know, a lot of people, this is all a left movement, not a right movement. Right. But a lot of people on the right are sitting home watching a television set, looking at Kenosha and looking at Chicago, where they shoot people and kill people by, by the dozens every week. Right. It's it's not even believable, but they say they look at it and they say, "I'm not going to allow that to happen in my country." Two questions: Nobel Peace Prize, congratulations, you've been nominated. Oh my! Two God. questions: Nobel Peace Prize, you just got nominated, everybody from a far right ding dong in fucking Norway. Good times. Ugh. But did you hear? This is a leftist thing. This isn't conservatives. She goes, conservatives are just sitting there, right? Conservatives are just sitting there, even though they're the ones piling into their cars, doing the thing that Donald Trump is now encouraging them to do, to go out and bring their paintball guns and their pepper spray and their bats, mm-hmm. like we witnessed with the, the Proud Boys in Salem, Oregon this last week, right? where they, tr- they, they pushed to the ground a Black Lives Matter protester 
beat him with a bat, and a woman stood over him in just a continuous stream of pepper spray into his fucking eyes. Hmm. This is what we're dealing with, and this is who Donald Trump is encouraging. Right. Dangerous. Mm-hmm. Bringing it back to the election, if you think that there's no difference between Donald Trump and a lackluster, not exciting Joe Biden, you're fucking wrong. Joe Biden might have a background that is a bummer about crime, but Joe Biden isn't going to encourage right-wing white nationalist militia ding-dongs and racists to go out with shields and guns and assault people. Or encourage extrajudicial killings yeah. at the hands of government agents. I mean, come on. Whoa. Retribution. <laughs> on Fox News, you on a prominent media outlet. Think about the types of government leaders that would talk about retribution. Yeah. They, are dict- they are Saddam Hussein types. They are Gaddafi types. They are Kim Jong-un types. They are Putin types. They're not presidents. Not good ones. So anyway, we're going to end it here. We got a whole bunch of other links we're going to talk about, but we're, I'm going to push it to next time because this stuff I really want to get a, get into detail and I don't want to skip skimp on it. Talking about the conspiracies and insane quotes from these women who believe in QAnon bullshit and that if oh, Joe Biden gets into office, she's going to lock herself in her garage and turn on her car with her kids and kill everybody in the car. Time Magazine article. We're going to talk about this next time. But we're going to end it on Donald Trump's last classic Donald Trump. We know over the course of the last four years, almost four years, that Donald Trump is the greatest projection artist of all time. Unlike you've ever seen. (laughs) What's he say? Nonsense like that. Yeah, the greatest of all time. The likes of which you've never seen. The likes of which you've never seen. (laughs) You're asking me to recall something that Donald Trump says as though I'm committing these things to memory. Oh, you do, Brittany Page. You do. I try to forget every day. <laughs> so anyway, here he is talking about the possibility of Biden, Joe Biden, being on drugs. There's probably uh, possibly drugs involved. That's what I hear. I mean, there's possibly drugs. I don't know how you can go from being so bad where you can't even get out a sentence. I mean, you saw some of those debates with the large number of people on the stage. He was... I mean, I I used to say, how is it possible that he can even go forward? So this is there's there's long been rumors that Donald Trump is addicted to or abuses Adderall. And these rumors, I don't know where they came from, but they exist on the Internet. You find them on Twitter. You can find them wherever Donald Trump is the subject of a conversation. I think they might be like Tom Arnold related. Like, there's somebody who's had some dealing with him professionally that has made the claim. Did Tom Arnold release those tapes yet? Yeah, exactly. So I I don't know, but there has been someone who has had some proximity to Donald Trump who has said it. Yeah, well, But they're out there, those rumors. Hopefully it's someone with uh, more credibility. (laughs) That's exactly right. So I have never believed those because I tend not to believe things without evidence. At least I try my best. I'm not always perfect on that, but that's what I try to do. We should all strive to do that. Yeah, and so I have largely dismissed them. And this is the first time that I really took a beat 
and thought to myself, hi, I wonder if there's something to that. Now, don't misconstrue that as I now believe that. That you fully endorse the idea, right? It gave me pause because this is very typical of Donald Trump. And what I mean by that is his behavior tends to, he exhibits a pattern of accusing people of the things that he is doing himself. Yes. And that's what happened here. He's accusing Joe Biden of using performance-enhancing drugs of some sort (laughs) in order to be a functioning person. And why would he say that? Why would he say that? Where would that come from? Diverting attention from his own behavior, which is what we, is a pattern for Donald Trump. So it makes me question it. I'm not saying that I believe it. I'm not saying that it is the case. What I'm saying is interesting. Hmm. Interesting, Donald Trump. What's going on there, bro? Bring a bucket and a mop. (laughs) Out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I can always tell, by the way, (laughs) because you shift into a different mode when you're desperately searching for a drop. You know what I have to say about that? And we don't have time for flim flam. I don't have time for that, Brittany. Okay. No fucking time for that. And also... No, I don't take responsibility. I don't take responsibility for that. I'll do what I want. I don't take responsibility either. So... (laughs) We're going to end it there. What are we going to do with two people hosting a show who refuse to take responsibility for it? (laughs) Does not bode well. Apparently, we're going to kick some ass. (laughs) Lots of ass. Yeah. So anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. We want to hear from you. What do you think? What do you know? What do you say? Anyway, 657-464-7609. Again, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Thank you all for your loyalty. Thank you all for your listenership. Thank you all for your ongoing support of the show. Coming up on 700 episodes is a big deal. Um, and we could not have done it without you. I mean, we haven't done it yet, so it's it's likely we'll get to 700, but, yeah, you know, something might happen. But we couldn't have done it up to this point without you. We love and appreciate you, and we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt.